Lord, thank you once again for just this opportunity we have, Lord, to gather together to worship you, to be with you. And today, this morning, God, our hearts are open and our hearts are aflame for you. God, we want you, Lord. We need you. God, we want to be closer to you. And Lord, help us to understand your truth this morning. And Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And God, give us this heart, Lord, that will apply and live for you, God. Lord, give us a new heart this morning. Take away, Lord, the broken parts and the, the things, Lord, that don't work right, Lord. But we want a heart after you, just like David had. And so, God, bless this time in your study. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One elderly man was grateful despite his ailments. This is what he told his family. My arms are so weak, I can hardly lift a cup of coffee. My cataracts are so bad, I can't even see my toothbrush. I can't turn my head because of the arthritis in my neck. My blood pressure medicine makes me dizzy. But... I thank God I can still drive. <laughs> well, I was thinking how even though my body is falling apart and I'm getting older, I can still see that Jesus, he lives inside of me. Well, as we return to our study in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul really continues to defend his ministry by showing it's not anything that he's done through his ministry, not at all. He is just this mortal human being, just this, this body of flesh here with the living God inside of him. That, that's what it's about, Paul tells us. He describes really that all believers also have this. We are treasures in jars of clay that's what we have treasure in jars of clay the title of our message is just that treasure in jars of clay we're going to be studying second corinthians chapter 4 from verse 1 through 7 our outline this morning is this number one the steadfast character number two the spiritual cataracts and number three the salvaged container so let's begin here. Number one, the steadfast character. The steadfast character. Take a look with me here now. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. It reads here, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And we'll stop there at verse 1. We begin, Paul now, he writes, Therefore, now that word is there, for a reason and it connects us to the last study we had in chapter 3 of second corinthians it's where when the corinthian believers who believed in the gospel that was preached to them by paul and his guys that their lives were totally transformed if you remember and you're with us you remember we we studied that last week it was their changed lives their transformed heart that gave credibility to paul's ministry against the accusations of the false teachers trying to bring Paul down. And so if you remember, their very lives, the very change and transformation that happened to them was the proof of life, the life of Christ in them. And that was our title last week, wasn't it? The proof of life. If you missed it, grab the CD. 
So Paul goes on now in chapter 4 and he says, therefore, or because of how powerful this salvation message is, and then he says, and since God in his mercy has given this amazing, life-changing ministry, he's talking about this ministry that Paul has now in preaching the gospel, he says, because of that, we do not lose heart. That do not lose heart, it means give into fear or, or, or lose courage. He does not lose heart in these times of suffering and opposition. In other words, the idea really here is this. No matter how hard it gets, he will not be unfaithful with God's love and message of salvation. He will not lose heart in that. We know, right, in Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, on his way, Paul was to persecute Christians, to, to grab them, bring them to Jerusalem, bring them before the religious leaders. He was antagonistic. He was against Christians. Well, on the road in Acts chapter 9, on the way to grab some Christians, God reached out and what? Saved the Apostle Paul. Then God called him to preach the gospel he once so violently was against. And you know what? He never got over that. He never got over getting what he doesn't deserve to be a minister of this gospel to preach this gospel. I mean, how could he give up when God never did after all that Paul did to the Lord? He couldn't. John MacArthur writes, despite his suffering and the savage attacks on him by the false apostles, Paul had not surrendered. I like that. He didn't surrender. He, he did not lose heart here. He is faithful. We see here the strength of his character. And we're going to be seeing more of that next time. We're going to see how relentless he really is with the gospel to be passing to people. All right, so Paul now goes on to say in verse 2, but we have renounced the hidden things of truth, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Okay, now he goes on, verse 2, and, and Paul is not giving in, not at all. But, first of all, he says, he stood up, basically, to the false teaching. And he says in verse 2, renounce the hidden things of shame. What is that? Well, I like what the NLT version, how it translated it, it says this, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. He's not like the false teachers. Paul really calls out the devious ways of these false teachers. And I didn't mention any of that here. Throughout all our studies in the New Testament, we found a lot of what the false teachers were doing. Remember back in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, the first part, Paul said, for we are not as so many, that's the false teachers, peddling the word of God. They're using the word of God to, to sell and make money with that. They're like, the only one I could think of is like, you know, the flashy, smiley, new car salesman or someone they come up off of roof. That's these false teachers. Paul says, we're not like that. And then he adds, unlike the false teachers, Paul does, Paul does not practice crafting. 
as quickly. The false teachers were manipulating people who had to obey rules by preying on the people's emotions and interests and desires, giving, uh, saying things to itching ears, as we see in the scripture. Notice Paul did what they do when it says here in verse 2, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. The word deceitfully means like corruptingly. The Greek word is actually used in, in, when, when guys would secretly water down wine to cheapen it, cheapening it and selling it as a pure drink so they can make more money. God's just saying right here, deceitfully in how they handled the word of God. Paul says, Paul's message is in contrast to the false teachers. It's pure. It's straight. It's unmixed. It's as true, the whole truth of the gospel of Christ. He didn't water it down at all. He didn't thin it out at all. It's kind of like these false teachers were, uh, or this idea is like the painter who got the job to paint the local church. They secretly can thin down the painting in order to keep more of the money. Well, what happened to Rembrandt was that he painted out several churches, and all the paint got washed off the walls. And he had funerals and such. It was the Lord. So being convicted, he fell down, fell down on his face and asked, What should I do now, Lord? Well, suddenly God did answer him and told him, Repent and sin no more. false teachers were doing that very thing. They were thinning down the word, mixing in the false doctrine, making it more emotionally appealing. And, and they, they mixed in the truth and the lie and made it, made it, oh yeah, this is good, and made it all exciting and all that. Not Paul at all. Not Paul. When really the third thing he says here in this verse is that he sticks to the manifestation of the false teachers. Paul preaches the pure truth, the manifestation, what has been revealed from God and the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel. He preaches the truth. You could say he preaches the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And then he says this at the end of verse 6, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Commending means like, like judged by the conscience of, of every person. In other words, every honest person can see that all his, they can see Paul's character of integrity, that he lives before God, openly for the Lord, before God's image bearer in the sight of God. Paul's character drove him to be totally open and honest with all that he sees and is that the problem wasn't like the false teachers trying to manipulate and trying to be dangerous or crafting it out. Not Paul. He was the true guy in all of his character. Years ago, uh, one husband told me how he had gone to uh, his college wedding anniversary. Wedding anniversary. Or it wasn't an anniversary. But you know what he told me? He was bringing flowers so he could soften her up so he could land that's crafty manipulation. 
We like that blessing. We like that good thing. We like we give it to ourselves so much. Appreciate it. Papa Bob,
that God brought me today and you say, hell, what about it? Well, it's hell. So if we have to stand on the cross, you think that the weak God is going to be upset that we're out here in the cold? And Satan is a dragon who is in the land and he is allowed to sleep and he is allowed to sleep with the angels of God. See, they're out here also. They're out here to trap us as well. They're out here to tell us that hell
why did God give him trouble? Good question. Why did he give him trouble?